feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? Welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. I bit my tongue partway through saying that. And sometimes we talk about ghosts. As they do on one of my favorite podcasts, we need to talk about ghosts, but in a different way because they tell stories about ghosts and we tell stories about our ghosts. We have a very specific ghost. Like you might be tuning in. Like, you know, usually there's like ghost adventures where they go to a new ghost every week. Well, you guys just tune in for our one ghost. Usually just one. Usually just one. But last night we were sitting and watching Never Have I Ever, which is excellent. And if you haven't watched it, you should. It's amazing. And we hear like this, it sounds like a ceramic bowl falling in another room. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't have any ceramic bowls in that room. And Austin goes to yell at whatever cat did it. And it is a piggy bank, because I weirdly collect piggy banks, that has been flung across the room into a completely, like, there's no way it could have gotten there on its own. And it's not broken, but it sounded, it did that fall noise, like, where it kind of spun for a second. And so Austin comes in, he goes, where was this? And I point to the other side of the room, and our cat, who normally would have caused this mischief, followed him in to inspect So, like, it's not impossible that the cat went in there and did something and sneaked out before Austin got in there and then sneaked back in like, I didn't do anything. But I can't figure out how he would have knocked that down without it bouncing several times to get it all the way over there. Like, like my only other thought was, like, earthquake? But nothing else in the house. Yeah, and also, I checked, there was not an earthquake. Mm -hmm. So that is something that is provable. And because we knew the time, it's like, no, no earthquake. Yeah, we immediately checked the time because I know who gave me the the pig too but they're fine yeah that'd be honestly it'd be so like them to just see how we've decorated their our house like a ghost <laughs> and get furious and fling something across the room it's like what's with all the colors it makes me nervous though because that's not the usual behavior of our ghost yeah like she does some mischief once in a while but she doesn't like do anything that could risk breaking something so it's a little weird and i do think there's something else that lives in my office but it's never really bothered me, so... You've got a business ghost? I think you need to start Actually, wearing a tie to appease it. No, I do, because I hear my team's messages going off in my office. When I'm not in my office, when there is no active computer in my office, because it's out with me, this has happened twice now. Oh god, do you think we had someone in our neighborhood who was working from home during the quarantine die in their office... And now they're haunting your at-home office trying to complete their unfinished business emails. Can you imagine what kind of hell that would be? What did they do? Like, millennial ghosts are going to be the most annoying ghosts. I feel like that's more the action of uh, that one dude who lives farther up the street. (laughs) Yeah. Um, To continue to torment us specifically. He's really rude, guys. Like this, so rude. This, this is a dude who direct messages you on next door to bully you off the platform because you make points counter to his. Yeah, he's a he's a libertarian who uh, ran for local office and lost big, and then lost his shit all over next door and threw a tantrum. It was ridiculous. It was really funny. Um, See, so the other thing going on is our frequent guest Fezic, the one who purrs into the microphone. I've been wondering for a while if something was wrong with his eyesight. I took him into the doctor last week, and he's fully blind in one eye, 
and has some blindness starting in the other eye. We've got him on eye drops and blood pressure meds, and we're going to get him rechecked because hopefully it's reversible, at least in one eye. We're hoping, but we don't know yet. And he's such a good boy. He's the sweetest cat. Like, the vet loves him. They look forward to seeing him. Yeah, and he's so scared right now. So, like, if we got any, like, witchy people out there who like cats, send witchiness to our cat so that he doesn't, at least so he's not scared. Yep. Because that's what bothers me the most. Or, like, you know, maybe if you... Like maybe just like some tips on training him to be our familiar <laughs> so we can do magic. All right. Um, I've been sick on and off for the last couple of weeks. And plus I have too many ideas right now. And so I keep skipping around. So this is an Austin episode. We might be switching back and forth for the next few weeks. Yeah. So you guys are stuck with me. Just like I am. You get to experience this. Healthy marriage. Rude. So Maddie and I have mentioned before that we would for sure give up on like living in a house and go and live in a van and drive around the country. No matter what people tell us otherwise. And I think I've seen like everyone listening to this is like online enough that they've seen dozens of pictures and Instagram stories of hashtag van life influencers sitting on beaches, living free and not tethered down by their material goods or a permanent address or people who just couldn't afford a traditional house. And the crippling high rent, so they just moved into a purpose-built van home. And none of them look like us. Wouldn't you like to see a couple of middle-aged, chubby Midwesterners doing this? We are not Instagram pretty enough to make a living doing this. Like, there's a reason we're on an audio format. Or we're exactly Instagram, like, unattractive enough, so long as we also make this our hashtag van weight loss journey. I threw up a little bit in my (laughs) mouth. Well, that's... Which is not a healthy way to lose weight. (laughs) No, it is not. <laughs> well, I found down a rabbit hole recently because of a conversation with Maddie. And, and then I, as I kind of researched it and looked into it more and more. I saw a growing number of similarities between the uh, van life present and a thing in the past. I'm going to talk about hobos. Yeah, the conversation was whether or not we were still allowed to say hobo. And I actually had looked it up pretty recently and it's not a slur. Um, if it becomes a slur by the time you listen to this, then just know that yeah, at this point. At this point, it's either it's either not a slur or the information about it being a slur is not widely disseminated. So please judge us as relics of history, much like we do on this podcast, two things from the past. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't it isn't it short for something? I can't remember. I'm gonna get to it. Okay. And of course, I'm gonna talk about the Hobo King. Of course. Leon Ray Livingston. So even though he has three names, he is not the hobo serial killer that's currently in California. Now, when we think about hobos, (laughs) we think about people riding the rails with all their possessions, like, you know, in a handkerchief tied to the end of a stick. Bindle, I think is what those are called. Yeah, bravo. You uh, got an A on our vocabulary section that's at the end. (laughs) Okay. And usually I end up thinking of a harmonica in there somewhere for some reason, or people sitting around a fire eating a can of beans. and uh, Or you might think, yep, that's a murderer. That's for sure a murderer. Because Maddie asked me if I was covering the guy that might have killed hundreds of people all over the country as he rode the rails from city to city all over America for decades. But this is not a true crime podcast. But this is not a true crime podcast. All of history is a true crime. This is just marginally a history podcast, and I'm paying more attention to our format for once. Says the guy who does things like Radium Girls, which is, and the uh, Shirtwaist Fire. I have not done the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. I thought you did. Nope. It's come up a few times because we've covered labor, but. 
Oh, you might have covered a lot of it on labor. I think I mentioned its existence. That's another big industrial incident that that changed the way we do workplace safety. Yeah, like, and don't forget, if you are interested in more of that, last week I covered, or last two weeks ago, I covered the just history of the labor movement and yeah. how it's 200 years long. Yeah. But really what hobos are, they are, aren't just people who are homeless. They're actually migrant workers. And it's, it's, they were people who were looking for jobs and they were having to travel to do so and were not homed. And so Ron DeSantis sent them to Martha's Vineyard. Exactly. And throughout history, there have always been migrants. Mm-hmm. Like you, and it's usually for the same type of reasons, though, like the specifics will differ. It's historically been young men. Sometimes it's families, sometimes it's women, but like 90% of the time it's been young men who uh, are who are from a place where there is a hardship or a lack of work or opportunity or resources. And as a result, they will just leave and find jobs other places. This can be as like small a scale as the next village over or as big a scale as hopping on a boat and escaping a potato famine to America. Which was covered way back at the beginning of our podcast. Yeah. And... But with the advent of rail travel, people be- began seek- could seek work further and faster, further away, faster, cheaper, and easier than they could as a result. So as a result, a culture built up amongst these mostly young men who were living a transient lifestyle built around railroads. Kind of like in modern society, how sp- high-speed internet and growing uh, capacity to do freelance work on the internet and have led us to doing this kind of virtually, where we can get jobs from other places without actually leaving our office. Yeah, I asked Austin the other day if I would be considered a migrant worker, because even though I don't physically leave, I have to look all over the country for work when I'm freelancing. There's a lot of similarity. Yeah, except I'm not in dire straits and living and hoping that somebody will feed me. No, but I have seen you hunched over a fire with a can of beans recently. Uh, Was I astral projecting again? No, you're just in the backyard. Sleepwalking. Sleepwalking. Now, uh, hobos, as like as we know them, kind of got their start after the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had this sudden influx of soldiers being discharged and expanding rail network, and with the abolition of slavery, increasing industrialization, and a lot of construction work and reconstruction work, rebuilding things damaged and neglected over the war, there was an increased need and demand for short-term labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, their work was seasonal harvesting and planting work, construction jobs, uh, railway construction work, which was also like doubly transient because you actually had to move along as you constructed this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, you only be doing it once. So once the line was done, you had to find a new job. And of course, uh, very factories might need to hire an extra 100 men to work on a big order and work around the clock for something. And then they would let them go once that order was complete and go back to their regular staff. Mm-hmm. So there's all of these reasons why people would be looking for finding short-term jobs in a variety of places. And with rail travel, it became easier than ever to do so. Mm-hmm. And with a sizable population of young men just deciding to live on the road and going from job to job, they developed this habit of sneaking onto freight cars and trains and catching free rides from place to place. And as they did this, they sort of developed their own culture mm-hmm. and society and traditions and ways of doing things. They would, it was not a utopian society by any means. There was theft, crime, violence, murder, mm-hmm. all of that stuff like you'd see in any other population. But they did generally share some resources, help people find jobs. They like did a lot of stuff. They even developed like a code. Mm-hmm. Like not like just like a code of like, I do, I follow my code. It's like they literally have coded symbols. They would uh-huh. mark in chalk or, char- chalk or charcoal to symbolize things. 
and like uh, like a top hat meant that there was a kind man in this house. A cat meant there was a kind woman. Um, a there was a thing that looked kind of like a nightstick, you know, like you know the little like the police stick with the handle on the side. Uh, that meant that the p- cops would beat the shit out of you here. This feels like Monopoly pieces almost. Yeah, and there's a symbol that looks exactly like a hashtag that meant the town had a jail. So hashtag jail. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about this a little bit, and that would kind of indicate whether or not it was safe to literally jump off the train. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. It's like, no, keep go- keep going, or don't go this way, and lots of, like, it's like, there might be a job this way, or, hey, this person, um, a hobo stole from them, so don't ask them for help, because they're not going to do it. Or this person will give you some food. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the word hobo uh, actually takes its name, well, probably takes its name from Hoboken, New Jersey, where there were some large train yards. So they thought these people were coming from Hoboken or hobos. Huh. Uh, another... I wonder what people who live in Hoboken are called. I don't know. Hobos. Oh, well, these are people who live in Hoboken, not Ho- people who escape from Hoboken. Hoboconians. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it also might be a contraction of saying, ho, boy. Ooh. Yeah. Or it might be an Americanization of the English word hawbuck, meaning bumpkin or lout. Huh. So, got some maybes, but... The Hoboken one makes the most sense to the me. Hobo- Hoboken is the one that makes the most sense. And anyway, into this world where there's this like, growing like transient population with their own traditions, there came a man, Leon Ray Livingston, who's a friendly man, who was well-dressed, clean, well-spoken, and he lived his entire adult life as basically a hobo influencer. <laughs> okay. According to one of the 12 books he wrote about his travels as a hobo and a and the self-proclaimed hobo king, Livington claims that he began his life riding the rails in 1883 at the age of 11. I mean, it's not impossible. Now, take this story with all of the grains of salt. Uh, there is nowhere to ver- no way to verify anything he says, so we just have to take his word for a bunch of stuff. Again, he was an influencer. This might just be his probiotic tea that helps you lose weight. Was okay. This story. Well, anyway, his story was he got in trouble at school and was told he wasn't allowed to come back until his father signed a note the teacher wrote telling what he had done in class. Mm -hmm. Well, not wanting to get in trouble, he simply never showed his parents the note. And the next day, instead of going to school, he stole some money out of his mom's purse and grabbed the twenty-two rifle he got as a birthday present and ran away from home and never looked back. I believe it. So this is just an 11-year-old with a fistful of stolen cash and a gun breaking into train yard, train cars looking for an honest day's work. Yeah. So kids, uh, role model. <laughs> yeah. Um, but remember how it, ended, how it worked out for Michael Scott? He almost ended up living on a train with Jan. So maybe not. Yeah. And of course, riding the rails, he never got a formal education. But he said he got all the learning he needed from the lessons he learned on the road. Me too. Now, Livingston was fairly well-to-do. Again, he was a, by the time, like, people began to know about him, he was already, like, a famous and well-established author. People knew him. Like, he wrote these books and got a lot of money, but he continued to live this hobo lifestyle because he simply took great joy from the act of travel in this way. So it's like, as I understand it, Jack Kerouac? Yes, or Thoreau, just like, I want to live by this pond, but mom's going to bring me sandwiches. Yeah, except for Livingston didn't have mom bringing him sandwiches. No. And, uh, in one of his books, uh, The Way of the Hobos, Livingston claims he traveled 
fifty sorry five hundred thousand miles and only spent seven dollars on and sixty one cents on fares, which even adjusted for inflation, uh, he only spent about two hundred dollars. Good for him. Traveling five hundred thousand miles. That's a lot. I mean, that would really impress all of those bands that would walk five hundred miles. Yeah, it's like it's like imagine listening to that song a thousand times. That's how far he traveled for 200 bucks. I have listened to that song that many times. Uh, yeah, uh, Livingston also claims he marked his pseudonym, which he wrote under, which was, this is pretty brilliant, A No One. So it's like A Number One, mm-hmm. but it's also A No One. Mm-hmm. So pretty clever. On every mile marker he passed on his journey. And you can actually still find this written on things, like under bridges and places. But again, we have no way to tell which are actually his. Because there are ones that show up on things that were built well after he died. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like, there were some pictures, but again, no one knows if he actually did this, or if just people who read his books did this, or even if any of the ones he made are still around. But you'll still see this mark places. Sorry, guys. uh, Another another part was he got a job on a mahogany farm in Guatemala. Uh Uh-huh. And the company paid to, like, you know, send him on a boat out there. And so he went around Central America for a little while. He didn't like the work. So he ended up spending um, months uh, trying to get the company to pay to send him back. They never did. <laughs> he also caught uh, malaria, probably at the time. and talked about how he almost died. And he like ate some weird local foods and then eventually came back home. And he wrote an entire book about that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we all know that person. Like they had a weird gap year and went to South America and kind of experienced the culture, got a little bit sick, and then eventually had to go home. Yeah, yeah, we do all know that person, but they usually call it study abroad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, one of our cats is outside the door and they're screaming. Yep. Now, his books became hugely popular and influential because travel logs were like the favorite form of nonfiction at this time. People loved their travel logs. Even like science fiction by Jules Verne, written around this time was in the form of travel logs to fantastic places. Kind of he wrote 80,000 leagues under the sea, right? Uh 40,000. 20,000? 20,000 leagues under the sea. I'm pretty sure it's 20,000. Or journey to the center of the earth or from earth to the moon. You know, you know travel logs. Well, what Livingston wrote was really about like, you know, he wasn't just about just the journey. He wrote about who he met, where he stayed, what he saw, how he traveled, and the joy he got from this lifestyle. And so he kind of went into this travel log like genre and changed it up a little bit with just this added lifestyle bit. And it was like a great twist that people really enjoyed. And so it's like, Oh, look at this. This is the, this is the side of America. You don't see, this is like, not the, you know, the Mount Rushmore tourism. This is the, I stopped at a weird bar in Kentucky tourism. The kind that I like. The kind that you like. And like these books were really popular. Like Jack London, the author of White Fang and Call of the Wild even traveled with Livingston for a bit, and they both wrote about it. Uh, Livingston uh, didn't publish his until after Jack London died in 1917. But so it was, there was a travel influencer collab project, and they both got some quality content out of it. I didn't realize how long ago Jack London's books were. Yeah. Now, he also, during his travels, met President Taft and Teddy Roosevelt. So he was, again, he was rich, he was famous, and he was traveling along by breaking into cars. Okay, in a lot of ways, he is living my dream. I know. It's awesome. And of course, you know, for someone who traveled so many miles and saw like every part of America, he actually found a place that he considered to be perfect. Was it Boston? A place like, like, 
he thought the people there were the nicest. The town was clean. Like everything about it was wonderful. It was Cambridge Springs, Pennsylvania. Is this why you've been trying to push me into moving to Pennsylvania? Yes. We want to be hobos together. He loved this town and made it his home base. And uh, he referred to it as a Mecca for hobos. All right. His words, not mine. Is that is that place still there? It's still there. Do they have a statue of him or anything? Oh, they do. Um, for, as they would travel there, because, again, they say, like, this is my home base. I love this place. So they would travel to this place and look for him to try and meet him and also to see what he was talking about because apparently it was super nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's still there. You can go there today. He reminds me of Emperor Norton. A little bit. Except, you know, Emperor Norton was in one place, but he was the emperor of, oh shit, San Francisco? Yeah. And it's been a while, guys. While well, this guy was the king of the rails. I feel like they would yeah. have hung out. I don't know. They might have been mortal enemies. They had they had their own separate armies. They probably fought multiples. <laughs> and of course, you know, also, like, he wasn't just, like, an influencer who traveled. He actually used his books to, like, call a lot of attention to the plights and dangers of homeless people and their needs and what we could do as a society to better care for all of these people who were in need. Yes, but they shouldn't have chosen to be poor. Oh, yeah. He was, no, he was very much a, that's bullshit. These people need help. Mm-hmm. They are, I'm doing this because I love it. But there are people that have to do this out of necessity. Yeah, there are so many reasons for homelessness and... Very few people on this earth are like, I love being poor. Yeah. And most of the ones who are, are people who live in places like, you know, they're people who take vows of poverty, but they live in places where their needs are supplied. And it's like, like you made a, like a big point to so that you need to view transients as people. Mm-hmm. These aren't just like troublemakers or drunks who are like passing through your town. They are people, treat them as such. Mm-hmm. And like, it came at a good time, too, because during the Great Depression, uh, the hobo population exploded. Like, I really hope that you mean in numbers and not in actual, like, kaboom. A little bit of that, too. Ooh. But, I mean, there's always train wrecks. <laughs> Are you talking about me again? Yes. Yes, I am. But yeah, because during the Great Depression, like, the Dust Bowl disrupted a lot of agriculture, like, like in the book Grapes of Wrath. Which you hated that book. I know you did. Or like people lost their jobs or their homes and just like everything kind of got thrown up in the air. So people would travel looking for work and riding the rails was one of those ways. And of course, as this got more people started doing it, uh, the railroad companies started to crack down on it more. There Mm -hmm. were some friendly conductors who didn't care if you were riding in a freight train. Mm -hmm. But there were railway police who wanted people not to do this because they were afraid of vandalism, arson theft, all of that stuff, crime in their railroad cars. And of course, loss of potential revenue. Yes. At the heart of it, loss of revenue. So there were people who would be running around beating up hobos in railroad yards. Uh, the hobos started to call them bulls. Mm-hmm. And of course, and then there'd be towns who'd get mad that there were these sudden large hobo camps, or as they called them, hobo jungles. <laughs> Why did they call them that? I could not find out why they called them jungles. They just were. I really hope that's not a race-based thing. Like, I don't know how much of the Hobo population would have been former slaves. I mean, it, this was, like, this is the 1920s. Uh, so there yeah, was that would have been too long. Certainly a considerable amount that. of racism, but also, like, the like these were people of every race and ethnicity, so I don't think, who knows? But yeah, they were, like, uh, local police forces would, like, kick people out of town, like, tear down these settlements, like, often with violence and... Yeah, we still didn't, they still do that today. They still do that today. So it was like, 
there were a lot more hobos and even though uh livingston had had a big influence on society it wasn't enough to keep people from not treating people looking for work as like you know treating them like people they were just treated them poorly mm-hmm. and throw them out of town get mad at them blame them for crime and everything but you know it it's it's awful and we still see it today like with like homeless camps like an anti-homeless architecture yeah oh Have my god seen spikes? this stuff the spikes or like the benches that lean enough so you can't sleep on them or, the or they've got the armrest the in the middle in the middle yeah yeah it's like guys um the thing here is that you need to be they're not going to just disappear because you have yeah. this. They're just going to end up in more and more dangerous situations. And ha- like they will may, they're more likely to have to resort to crime mm. because they don't have a safe place to sleep. Yeah. They're going to have to, you know, commit some theft and stuff like that or end up in more and more rural areas that don't have the ability to support them at all. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I don't, another lesson from this is be nice to homeless people. They are not doing this. Pure, most of them aren't doing this purely voluntarily. They are in a tough situation, and we should be doing things to make it a less tough situation for them. And the ones who are doing it voluntarily, they'll, they're leaving you alone. Yeah. Like, they're just doing their thing. So eventually, after World War II, the whole train riding hobo thing really slowed down. There are still some today, but not as many, because there's other ways people get around. Like, uh, hitchhikers and living in van has largely replaced, like, you know, hopping onto trains. Yeah, the majority of people who have hitchhiked throughout history have not been murdered. Yes. And uh, they even made movies about them. And not all of them involved serial murder or masked slashers killing teens. Yeah, like people, this was a really common form of travel. Yeah. So yeah, there's still people, people still do this today. And like, famously, we have migrants from other countries coming up to America. And a lot of them aren't intending to be here permanently some of them are i need work and i'm sending money home and i plan on going home and then a lot of them are asylum seekers coming from communist regimes that are keeping them down and potentially going to kill them Uh, authoritarian regimes uh the word communist was used in the articles i was reading yep um before they were sent to martha's vineyard or in front of uh harris's house yeah so yeah uh livingston died in houston in 1944 and because we are apparently not allowed to know anything about this man for certain, um, the story that's widely circulated is that he died in a train accident. That's what is the information on him. But he would have been like in his seventies or eighties at that point. Yes, he would have. He would have just. He could have just died. Yeah, but potentially are, on a train. But there are no records of a train accident in Houston when he died. So the general best guess is heart failure. Maybe he had an accident on the train, and that's what they mean. Like, he fell down. Because they're, yeah. you know, they're moving vehicles, and they're, like, trying to... Ooh, maybe. But uh, he was buried in Houston, and uh, there. but there is a special marker made for him in Cambridge Springs with his hobo name, A No One. What happened to his money? Uh, I don't know. Didn't see... I didn't go into the estate planning parts of the hobo king. I did not follow his lineage down the line. There's no... Maybe Charles III got it? I don't know. It's like, I just have questions. Like, where does hobo money go? It's still buried in bean cans and rail guards all across the country. I'd imagine he had a bank in oh, he, Cambridge. I'm certain he had a bank, a bank and there were people that he would have left his money to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Are you ready for questions? Yes. All right. Will a gun-toting 11-year-old hobo folk hero be on the test? You know, if we're going to be like Paul Bunyan and shit, yeah, he should be on the test. Like, I feel like I don't need to ask any more questions after this, but a kid 
who just doesn't want to deal with school problem and his parents enough that he grabbed a gun and stole some cash and just left. That's, <laughs> that is just a mood. I'm like, ugh. I don't want to do this. I'm just going to go live on a train car. I'm just going to live in the live in the woods. Like, literally, I have gotten in my car before and just thought, I could just keep driving. Yeah, I've thought that too. It's like, I don't need to go to work today. I can just disappear. <laughs> you can't disappear because it's my car. <laughs> but if I disappear, you'll miss I will put out one of those, like, stolen vehicle things. You would. You'd prevent me from living my best hobo life. Not in my car. I've had my car stolen before. I'm not playing that game. Fine. I'll I'll ask more questions then, since you won't let me be a hobo in the woods. Actually, you'd be stealing my car in the exact same way it was previously stolen. <laughs> Someone who was allowed to borrow it who just took off. <laughs> and they didn't think I'd find out somehow. It's like, huh. Weird. Why do we have all these tolls on the? Yeah, we we shared a, some, a bank account. My car was back, and I'm like, something's not right here. And also, why is there a stranger living in my house? That was a, it. Was the this hitchhiker he true. picked up along the way? This is all. Well, the other person wasn't a stranger, but it was somebody who was not supposed to be there. I'm like, this is all true, guys. My car was stolen, taken across several states. And they thought I wouldn't figure it out even after there's a new person living in my one-bedroom house. Oh, no. I'm still salty. You don't steal my car. No, never. Go buy your own damn car if you yeah. want to steal one. So, yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. Go, yeah, steal, go, your... go, go steal someone else's car, yeah, please. Ca- don't steal my car. Also, my car is really loud on the road. It's not the one that you want. All right. Will, there, will the fact that there's a very specific hobo sign about abusive cops be on the test? Uh... Yeah, there would be. If, we, if this is actually being studied, yes. Will the fact that hobos get their name from New Jersey be on the test? Yeah. And will the fact that Cambridge Springs, Pennsylvania is the most perfect place on the planet, according to the king of the hobos, be on the test? <sighs> yes, but I've got to go check it out for myself to verify. So I guess we're going to go, uh, I'm listening for a train right now. I don't hear one, but we are just going to hop on one and go to Cambridge Springs, They don't even slow down by us. No, they don't. And if they do, it's because they're working on them and we'd be really obvious. And especially since they're coal trains for the most part, we would have to climb to the top and just hope we don't fly off. Yeah. We don't have good hobo trains by us. It's awful. No, no. Like once in a while we get a good one, but, and I've also thought about it. I'm like, I could just, get on I could just hop on this train and go probably to a power plant in the middle of nowhere because it's all coal. I really do wish we had like reasonable train travel in the States though. I do too. Like, Joe Biden, I thought this was your thing. Get on that. Yeah, like, you you sent me this meme about how it's like, oh, yeah, from uh, New York to Chicago, it's like a, like an eight-hour train ride or like a really busy flight. Or in China, it's the same distance between Shanghai and Beijing. I think it was a 24-hour ride with like two with like yeah. two changes of trains. And it's like, it's a, two, it's a two-hour train ride where it leaves every two minutes. Yeah. Same yeah. distance. We just can't have nice things in America, man. It's like, I took a train once, twice in the States. Both times were miserable. Um, both times were pretty short distance, and they took forever. Like, driving was driving would have been faster and honestly cheaper. I remember, oh God, Marta, my sister, went on a uh, road from a train from Los Angeles to Kansas City, and it was, she thought it was fun at first, but it got more and more miserable because she was on it for days. Uh-huh. And, like, she didn't get a sleeper car, so she was just kind of on a train. Yeah, mine was literally just from Kansas City to Chicago. 
Oh. And it took the better part of a full day. And I had to keep getting moved because large groups would get on, but these were unassigned seats. But for some reason, they thought it was okay to make me move. And I pretty much... and Oh, and the food stations were closed. Oh. So I was just fucking starving the whole time. And the Wi-Fi didn't work because I was planning on working. And that's actually one of the things that they do to try to encourage train travel is you can see the country and keep working because you've got great Wi-Fi. I'm like, do you now? I can't even check my phone. I have no data and I have no Wi-Fi. If something happens, I'm not going to be able to reach anybody. Also, there's uh, no way for her to charge her phone while she was on there. This, this, this was a few years ago. They might have like added outlets and stuff now. But man, it's like, cool. I'm glad I could work for four, five hours of this 20-hour trip. <laughs> it wasn't 20 hours. It was, just, it was like 12, though. Because it also, you know, had to keep stopping. and Not even necessarily at stations, which is because other trains were passing, where it's like, high-speed rail doesn't tend to have that problem as much. No, they do not. But, you know, we got to keep building unnecessary buildings and adding lanes to highways, which has been proven to not work. Just one more lane, man. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just caused some accidents. Yeah, just uh, look up induced demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So what was it about him, though, that made him the king? Like, how did he influence other hobos? Uh, he simply declared himself king. Oh, I like that. I appreciate that. The self-declared that. hobo king. I appreciate that And he wrote, he wrote the books about it, and people read them, and it's like, yeah, this guy is the hobo king. So I guess um, this is how I'm deciding to announce it. I am actually the new king of England. I feel like we've made declarations like this in the past. I have de- listen. If I keep declaring myself to be a ruler of something, eventually it's gonna stick. You're not even the ruler in this house. It's that's the cats. You are the ruler of. I am the king of the kitchen. You're the um, ruler of being able to ride a bike. I'll take it. <laughs> so um, I guess I'm the bicycle king of America. You're the bicycle king of this house, America, which is in America. So I'm the king of America. No. Bow before me, podcast listeners. Send me, please send me taxes in the form of chicken sandwiches. Okay, you're going to get way too many chicken sandwiches. You'll get tired of them and Fezzik will steal all of them because you know how he feels about chicken and popcorn. He does. Oh my God. Have we tried giving him popcorn chicken? (laughs) No, because it's got a lot of spices in it that are bad for him. And I guess on that note. Wait, no, 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 no. What? Oh, that's right. We have to talk about things still. Yeah, um, you all can find, like basically if you look for on the test pod, all one word, you're going to find us. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am working on our website, onthetestpod.com. TikTok is probably the most common place I post these days just because I have a lot of fun with it. And we also really, really could use some ratings and reviews. Be cool. If you don't like us, just move on. And also, why are you still here? Yeah, it's like, it's the end of the episode. It's like, are you hate listening? (gasps) Just like in that movie we watched. Where they hate listen. Yep. 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 Yeah. If you're so, hate- I guess people did do that. So, I guess if you're hate listening to it, like, give us a five star review. So maybe we'll because post we more. are still clearly entertaining you in some way. Yeah. And you can be like five stars. I really love hate listening to this podcast. Ooh, that's how we become Instagram influencers. But looking the way we do, we're not trying to get. Be- we're not trying to better. We're just like doing stuff, and we'll get people to interact with us by hating us. And guess what? It still clicks, baby. We're making money. See, that's how Austin and I bonded, as we hate the same thing. It's that's. Um, this is, uh, the rare moment of, like, relationship advice that's actually good Mm -hmm. from this podcast. It's, like, liking the same stuff as your partner is fine, but hating the same stuff? Oh my god, so much better. Yeah, it doesn't work out if you hate different things, especially if the other person really likes them. 
like Austin and I have very different interests. Yeah. Um, like there's some crossover, like we both like musical theater and Dungeons and Dragons. And we're just waiting for that Dungeons and Dragons musical theater. I bet there is one. The closest that I can think of right now is She Kills Monsters, but it's not a musical. But if you haven't read or seen She Kills Monsters, you should. It's excellent. Um, but yeah, find us online and please give us that rating and review. It's been a while since we've gotten anything and it's yeah. kind of making us sad because we know at least two more people than we have ratings of listen. Yeah. At least two. At least two. Because we get like, you know, 16 whole downloads. Six. Uh, please. We had 30 last time I checked. I wonder how many of them are people who, who just reset their podcast settings to only download a certain number at a time. So it deleted all the other ones and then it just kept re-downloading them when they would like get to them. So that's fine with me. Keep downloading in whatever way you can. Just download and download. Let's cheat the system. Also, it's like like our, the Rebecca Harkness one from a few years ago is still like our most popular. Like people I am, keep listening to uh, it. That and then Sarah Jane Moore. Sarah Jane Moore. Yeah. Like yeah. Those two. Yeah, Rebecca Harkness is who Taylor Swift wrote um, Last Great American Dynasty about. Yeah. And Sarah Jane Moore is an attempted assassin. Like one of the one of the attempted assassins of Gerald Ford. Yeah, one of the attempted assassins. Um, and the other one was Squeaky From, like the day before, oh if I remember God. Thank right. you for saying Squeaky, because I was about to say Twiggy. And I realize now that Twiggy is, in fact, a model. Twiggy is a British model who is in her, like, 60s, I think. Leave her alone. It's like, we don't know. Okay. Uh, How sure are you that Twiggy didn't try and kill Gerald Ford? I mean, I'm not sure of anything. Maybe she succeeded. Is Gerald Ford still alive? I don't think he is. No, because he'd be with the other presidents, like, doing the stuff. So Twiggy killed him. We have solved it. Look at, oh, look, look at that. I guess we are a true crime podcast now. And I want to leave on that note because true crime podcasts are do, do a lot better than history and science podcasts. So class, class dismissed. dismissed.